right, guys, welcome back for another podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast. just winging it today yeah a little bit a little bit <laughs> it was a long couple weeks and yeah. long yeah. weekend yeah this yeah two, yeah. So two is it what day is it wednesday wednesday i think yes <laughs> i don't know which way is up let alone what day it is yeah but, no, uh, no yeah we're yeah. uh i'm kind of looking at you today we're uh <laughs> yeah. we we stepped into this uh little bit here and we weren't really sure where we were gonna go and just yeah. kind of you know shooting the breeze on yeah. things that have been going on in the last couple of weeks and yeah you know how it relates thoughts. to all the stuff that we've been talking about cool. and um now it's kind of just like freewheeling it. So if we kind of lose a train of thought, I promise it'll come back around somewhere. So bear with us. Yeah. But um, yeah, Carlo, what's on your mind today? Yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, looking at the last couple of podcasts, I mean, well, first it was the press release and then the couple of podcasts that came after that. Um, you know, obviously I listen to them when I drive and that kind of stuff. And I think the, you know, looking at how we have the create accountability diagram kind of put together, um, you know, talking about the snitch loop, things like that is I, I think, you know, I guess what I get a lot of questions about and, you know, from either staff members and I guess what we're not necessarily immune to within our organization as well is just really like constant battling of the failure mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, failure mindset is just individuals who lack shared purpose and impede the success of the team. And I, th I think what most people, when they start to think about a failure mindset, um, is it seems as if it would be a deliberate act. Mm -hmm. It seems as if it would be an open process. It seems as if it would be staring you right in the face, like um, just the actions that you have. Like you just think that there's someone who's constantly trying to sweep your legs out from under you. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. It's almost exclusively subtle. Yeah. And it's in a lot of the way in which we carry ourselves. And I think one of the examples I actually had this weekend, I was talking to Molly, um, and I, I always say there's two ways you can say I don't care. So on, on one hand, when it's, um, you know, like, uh, um, you know, if we're running triage or patient care or something like that, and it's just like, you know, how do you want to do this? And it, uh, you know, how do you want to do this act? Or how do you want to do what, what process do you want to have? Or what order do you want to do these cases in or whatever? And on um, one hand, it's, well, I don't care. Well, on one hand, I don't care. It could be indifference, right? So yeah. it's like, well, all of this stuff needs to get done. I like legitimately don't <laughs> care what order it happens in. I just need to go. Yeah, it just we need to like get it done. Yeah. Um, and that that kind of like I don't care is I think part of the reason I enjoy working with Molly when she's running triage, and I think a lot of people do, um, is that like for me, I'll be like, yeah, I agree. All of this stuff needs to get done, Molly. I don't care how we do this. Let's just get it. And then she just runs with it. She just goes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's never really, I mean, there's some things maybe occasionally that are off base and it's like, well, let's just tweak this for next time or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but the other kind of I don't care is not just indifference, but it's legitimately I don't care. Like, I don't really care about what's happening here right now. I'm totally detached from what's happening in the organization or staff or patient care. I don't really care to be here. I don't want to be here. So if you're asking me how I want to do something around here, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't, you know, and that's where you start to look at, like, the victim part or victim definition, at least in some capacity, is that it's individuals who are convinced that they're powerless um, and avoid taking responsibility for their actions. So if you're in a position where the I don't care individual is in a position of quote unquote power. So I, I think we need to be very loose in our definition of power because yeah. certainly with our organization as we focus really, really hard on to, uh, to, uh, toppling the totem pole as yeah. it were. So for us, power can come many number of ways. Um, you know, it's more of just like a decision-making process, you know, who's in charge of running triage or who's in run uh, in charge of making decisions on, on patient care, you know, hospitalized patients, who gets what first. So, I mean, power can just be a matter of um, decision-making rather than authority, I guess is, is one way of putting it. Yeah. You just, you can only have one captain on the ship basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, you know, I think so, when we start to look at, 
you know, I don't care. I think that's, you know, so just kind of driving back to what I said a few minutes ago is that the idea of failure mindset is it's really in kind of subtlety in how we talk. And if you have two different people of two different mindsets is that if you have um, one person who is of a growth mindset um, and they are told, well, I don't care. Well, the immediate reaction from some of a growth mindset is, oh, I'm indifferent about how this happens. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if it's, you know, you're tucking it to someone of a failure mindset, it's like, well, you just don't care, you know? And I think, um, I don't, I don't think, it, I don't know how I can necessarily relate this, but I think, um, one of the, one of the things that I get tagged on, especially for employees that, that, uh, uh, choose to offboard themselves is the, um, idea of me being without compassion. Yeah. So it's, you know, for me, I'm so committed to growth and so committed to, um, really the success of the individual, really to the success of the team is that I'm, I'm constantly pushing for performance and, and, you know, really trying to improve consistency, really trying to improve confidence. I would say those are probably the three areas that I, if you guys look at our star chart, those are really the three that I really push hard into is performance, consistency, and confidence. Um, because, you know, competence and clarity kind of comes along with it, but I think those are kind of the three biggest ones to push. Um, but I think it's pretty clear. I mean, I, I feel like most people within the veterinary industry, at least in some capacity, either got in it or stay in it because of compassion. Like we're pretty much driven by that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's difficult to measure other people's compassion. So that's where like for us, like in our core values, we talk about trust, unity, respect, and accountability. We don't talk about compassion. We don't have a mission statement that says we're gonna provide the most you know, compassionate and caring service. It's like, well, yep everyone shows that a little bit different, mm -hmm. you know, everyone shows that in different ways. Um, and I think that's where, when you look at people who are, you know, victims who are looking for persecutors, now persecutors are individuals often blamed by a victim for suffering, uh, things that regard. So it's basically just the, you know, the, the people to, but he's the one who's doing it. Yeah. The company is doing this to me. The yeah. circumstances are doing this to he me. He who gets blamed. Yes. He, yeah. He or she yep. or it or, or it. whatever gets yep. blamed. Um, so again, that's, I'm just trying to drive at some of the subtlety here yeah. is that when we start to talk about failure mindset and we roll this back on how subtle this can be within the organization, within individuals, with how we carry ourselves, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how this is done. Um, then it comes back into saying like, all right, well, let's focus then on working all the way back from when there is an accountable event, when we start to talk about the fall tolerance. Mm -hmm. Is that then coming into saying, well, how do you get to failure mindset? Well, you get to it through division. So it's engaging in communication, which challenges purpose and shared well-being. So for us, it's the same thing. Like I said, that's why, like when I get dinged on compassion, it's like, oh, he's not compassionate. Oh, he doesn't. You know, it's like, well, it's just all like divisive talk. Yep. You know, it's just ways in which that. Um, they're trying to divide the team and polarize the team either for or against one person or another. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why, honestly, over the years, we pushed really hard to sell the idea of serve the patient, yeah. you know, is having sort of this common purpose that we can rally around. And we do that all different ways. Yep. Um, but I think because we all serve the patient in different ways, um, it can be really easy to then say, well, the way in which I serve the patient is the best way to serve the patient. And the way in which anyone else serves the patient is no longer the best because it's not the way that I would do it. Mm -hmm. So that's how we get institutionalized. Mm -hmm. That's how the university system gets the way it is. That's how the profession gets to the way that it is. And it's, um, it completely impedes growth when we assume the way in which we are doing something is the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why our whole process, even from performance reviews all the way up to how we put in IV catheters, I mean, to how just triage is run. I mean, there's always opportunity for input on absolutely everything. Because mm -hmm. I assume as an organization, we just don't have like perfection. It's, yes. it's, it's impossible to obtain. Correct. You know, mm -hmm. and... The other thing that's actually been really interesting, so we talk about the subtlety of the failure mindset. Um, it's actually been really interesting to see the company grow now to near 50 employees. Like we're, yeah. we're close. I think we're like high 40s. Yep. Um, it's been really interesting to see like how, you know, because I know way back, I mean, even actually at the inception of this podcast, I mean, we, we have significantly increased the number of staff that we've had, even just in the amount of time we're doing podcasts. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's been interesting to see, you know, because we talk about foundation, we talk about, you know, 
know, core values. We talk about some of these governing principles to be like, no, this is actually what we have is very much replicable, you know, and, and it can scale, you know, it's scalable mm-hmm. um, to then see now coming into 50 employee or close to 50 employees. We'll probably, I mean, we'll be clear past that by the end of the year. Like there's no question about it. Um, is that uh, it's interesting to actually see how these things scale. So yeah. how, you know, when we had, say, 20 or less employees, it was actually really, really easy to keep a handle on uh, culture, or at least easier. It's not like, see, the thing was, is we were growing culture at that time, so we didn't have perfect culture then, but it was easier to kind of have a handle yeah. on culture well, you, management. You could, yeah, you had more time for individual management. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yes, there yes. Was, you just, there was more uh, available resource to help individuals move through it. Yeah. Because you had to, because it was a growing idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, it they, was all of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of things that kind of happened simultaneously in that where there was, there was the idea that culture had to turn into something that was extremely effective um, to serve the patient. There was the development of tools at the same time because it's like, well, we don't really know how to do this. So now we have to, gen, you know, yeah. start to source all these ideas and we have to experiment with them yeah. to uh, t- try them out, adjust them, make that make yes. sense. And that worked. Um, the experiment phase worked a lot better in a smaller group yep. um, because um, one, the most of those people had been around for an extended period of time and were yeah. already on board with like what was happening from an yeah. ideas perspective. And then it's just about making it better. Um but it also just communication is just simpler because yeah. there's just less hands to touch basically. So, yeah. um, yeah, actually, um, at some point we'll have to actually have Janessa come up here to talk about uh, experiment phase. Yeah. Cause yeah. that would play pretty heavily into this. I've been thinking about that a lot, but In her life, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. looking back on it, I don't feel bad, but I kind of no, do. Not at all. Um, no. but it, but it developed, you know, the reason that I wanted to is cause it turned into this, right? Yeah. Like she was just a, a good case of yeah. like, here's what we have to do. Yeah. I don't really know where this is going to go, yeah. but we know that it has to go there because yeah. it will be better now that we have so many more people, yeah. uh, especially those that are part-time, you know, weekends only, sure, that sure. sort of, and they're all, and it's been so damn busy with COVID yeah. overflow. Yes. It's, it's just the resource of time, the one that you can't get back becomes yeah. so sparse. Um, and that's yeah. what you need to do this really, really well. So we have been kind of in the middle of a balancing act for the yeah. last, what, six months? Yeah. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And I mean, you throw survival mode on top of that. Right. Um, so it's, it's hard when you are already at the end of who you are from mm-hmm. a survival, you know, from a survival mode standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that's why, like I said, I, it's not like I enjoy survival mode. I don't enjoy staff being overworked. I don't enjoy, you know, any of that stuff. But when you do start to strip that away, it really does in a very short amount of time, show you exactly who people are, you know, and oh, that, yeah. and that's where I think when you look at failure mindset, growth mindset, like that, that I think is what gets uncovered much, much quicker. Um, as far as, and I, like I said, a big part of it is coming back to the accountable event is it's just, you hit that fall tolerance and it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to engage in communication that challenges and divides, or are you going to provide the opportunity to improve performance and improve fulfillment? And it's like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, again, there's kind of this, um, you know, actually even on the tricor, it's what happens under stress, Yeah. you know, and it's, it is a very, um, you know, I don't want to say natural reaction because it's kind of unnatural circumstances that put you into sort of survival mode. Um, but it does really, again, I think we said this even during survival mode, it really makes you focus on what's important. Yeah, for sure. Um, just going back to some of the details that would lend them, like what, when I would look at, um, from a hiring perspective, like some of the the stuff that would p- say this person's generally going to behave this way from a tricorps perspective, there are a couple of variables in there that actually give you a better understanding that a person is already in survival mode or uh. they don't, they might not realize it. And that's actually, um, when that was the majority of what I did with my days, um, was would be something that would lead to like some of the best conversations because you would take a person and that's kind of where I think we're headed in this is you'd have somebody that would have 
almost no realization where their head was actually at because it's so passive, because it's so yeah. subtle. And you'd point to these things and just say some of the right words where it's like, well, so like role awareness, which yeah. if we go back, you know, long, yeah, yeah, long yeah. ago, yeah, yeah. there's a, there's an indicator to that on there that tells me that somebody's really dissatisfied with their position in life, sure, basically, sure. Um, which would lean towards they're going to act in their adaptive behavioral pattern more frequently because they're stressed out. Yeah. Um, and when you say like, how do you find yourself actually behaving like just day to day? Is it this or is it this? And then it's like, well, this is why. What's causing this displeasure? Like, what are you not convincing yourself of? Um, and it would it would honestly like that variable. I was I was hesitant to um, focus on it because it did create like when that variable exists from a hiring perspective, somebody is a greater flight risk. Sure. Sure. Um, so it, it is more from a stability's perspective, uh, in hiring someone who doesn't have that will generally stick around longer on an average basis. However, if you can flip the person into what would work here is, um, purpose and well-being, sure, sure. Um, then they stick around even longer because yeah. they were, you know, it, it's a positive growth. Thing. Yeah. So it, it, it was an interesting th um, thing that would point out the way that these people were thinking and not realizing it m most of the time. Yeah. Um, I was that person a long, long time ago with the first time that I took it, um, and I thankfully was provided the self-awareness yeah, sure. <laughs> that I was doing it and yeah. it, it seemed to repeat itself pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, I, so I guess the thing is in taking that though, I mean, saying that, you know, there's a little verbal cue or like you said, yeah. an indicator cue or something that kind of flip people's mindset. Yep. There, there's, there's a lot that goes along with that though. Like there has to be an ability to be self-aware and like, I, I feel mm -hmm. like, I don't want to say that is like lacking across the board, but I think this gets back to sort of failure mindset and how subtle a lot of this stuff is. Like yeah. there is, and I think we had actually talked about this actually several times with Janessa is, is basically holding up the mirror. Yep. Like our organization, like our only intent is to hold up the mirror in front of you and show you who you are to everyone else, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm not saying like you have to define yourself by how other people view you, but when you are talking about developing a team and you're talking about culture management and you're mm -hmm. talking about how to get people to work together, that is important. Like you have to be self-aware yes. and it not, not so much to the extent that you change who you are, but it's also like if you are, in a position where um, you're not happy with personal life, you're not happy with whatever else, you know, factors that there are, financial, health, you know, I mean, whatever those stressors are in your life that are sort of adding to that survival state or survival mode, um, there has to be a willingness to look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. And if you don't have that, how are you ever supposed to actually get out of the failure mindset? And I think what becomes difficult is, again, subtly, if you have someone within your team who like defines themselves as being the victim. So it's always, how has this thing affected me? How has this thing negatively impacted my life? And I don't think that's, um, I don't think it should have a shy away from talking about those struggles that we're having. It's not that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's how do you go into that conversation? Do you go into it noticing the barrier yeah. and wanting to collaborate, right? Yeah. Because we're never Improve. going to be perfect. Yeah. Or are you just going to f use it to fuel the same failure mindset? Yeah. Right? And I think the scariest part about collaboration, to be honest, is that when you talk about failure mindset, like especially if you have an individual who through most of their life they have identified as a victim, mm -hmm. is that if, you know, it's easy for those people to engage in communication that challenges purpose and well-being. So they're, it, it's easy for them to engage in division. And there's actually it's really intoxicating mm -hmm. to be a part of divisive type behavior and discussion. It's gossip, right? Yeah. So it's, I mean, last week we talked about the snitch loop, but I mean, mm -hmm. part of it is also kind of birthed from why we just love gossip. I mean, yeah. look at reality television. We just love that shit, yeah. you know? And so if you have, again, culturally, you know, we talk about are these paw problems or these industry problems. Well, some of these actually just break out to being like <laughs> they're just cultural society problems. and yeah, cultural. Yeah 
world problems. Yeah. Yeah. And they just people just enjoy that. But I think the hardest part to move out of the failure mindset is forgiveness. Uh, absolutely. That 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 I think is, is why that when you brought that to the table several years ago, um, I didn't at that time I, I understood it, but I didn't yep. understand how it played and integrated so much into the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. That I think was really one of the big key indicators for me is that there's absolutely no way you can implement solutions if you can't actually have the act of removing the emotion from an event, yeah. but maintaining accountability to it. Right. So if all you do is sort of have that emotional part constantly, well, I'm not saying that necessarily victims are highly emotional people because you can have highly emotional people that are also creators. And of course, mm-hmm. creators are individuals that are focused on the on a desired outcome and purpose and intent. Mm-hmm. But when you sort of take that emotional behavior and it's so intoxicating to sort of engage in division, you're also not going to want to release that emotion because there is sort of a release in your brain of like, oh, this is so good when I feel this way. And look at all the attention I'm getting for mm-hmm. engaging in division and look at all the people now who are talking to me and, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily accepting, but just, you know, uh, engaging. And it's that it's that sort of like um you know, just positive feedback for a negative act. So we're feeding this negative act and it feels so good. Well, I don't want to get rid of that emotion. And that's why gossip is so awesome. I don't want to get rid of that because look at all of this attention that I'm getting now. And I think again, looking at forgiveness as being one of the linchpins to being able to implement solutions and plans. Um, if you can't, if you can't give up that emotion, it ain't never going to happen. So, um, a, you probably haven't read it because um, <laughs> I, I don't read. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so there's a book. Um, so you are familiar with Simon Sinek because we've talked about mm. his stuff. One of his books is called Leaders Eat Last. Um, and I I skimmed it. I did not read all the stories and stuff in it. Um, generally, when I read books that are like that, I, I focus more on the core concepts than I yeah, do the, sure, sure, the, sure. Um, yeah, the yeah. tales that go around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in that book, and I don't remember the actual brain chemicals so i apologize there's like because there's dopamine and serotonin, serotonin and endorphins and yeah. all those oh, whatever right we'll well, brain chemicals the one that you're referring to because there is an actual biological yeah. effect in that mindset yeah. is it's a dopamine hit yeah that's that's the same yeah. thing that happens when you do cocaine yes sure it's the exact same yes. mental process and yeah. it, it is absolutely intoxicating yeah. and um it's a it's a it's a self fulfilling loop because yes. it feels good. Therefore, you want to do it more, but yes. you get less and less every time. Yes. So you have to do it harder. Yeah. Um, it works the same as doing drugs. Yeah. Um, and you have to. The only way to beat it is essentially to focus on. I believe it's serotonin releasing mechanisms, um, which are creation and growth. Yeah. and improvement. Yeah. Um, another way that you can do that is through endorphins. So that's why they say get your body right because when you work oh, out, sure. it actually provides that same feeling yeah. and it tends to actually be more intense than a dopamine hit does yeah. and longer lasting. Yeah, funny story. I was just talking to my personal trainer about that like literally today. Yeah. Like literally today. I was like, I have to come. Like everyone's like, how, much, how do you have time to go to the gym? I'm like, I have to go. Right. Like it's, you know, and, and he was saying the same thing. He's like, you gotta get your health right. You gotta get your body right. And it's the same thing it's like once you once you have this thing that you can commit to and focus on and just really give it your all you know and and it was a part of my issue is that um I don't really have anyone who tells me what to do, you know, like for as much as I actually want it. Did you, you hear know. that, Katie? Did you hear that? Well, I mean, you know, like that's, uh, oh, that's different. That's different. That's yeah. funny though. Yeah. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, you know, day to day, like, you know, the, the, the buck stops here. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that sort of comes back that way, but, but yeah, anyway, not to interrupt, but yeah, it's, it, it, but it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's good to know at least that. And that's what I liked about that book is it's nice to know that there is science that backs it up and it's yeah. not just the ramblings of two crazy guys yeah. in, a, in a map here right. because, um, it, it, and it works too. Like I know for myself, um, I have a very, very, um, well, uh, traveled path into failure mindset. I'm <laughs> sure. really, really good at it. Um, I don't like to think that. Um, and as I've become more aware of it, it's not to say that it doesn't happen. I can just notice the patterns uh, more sure, frequently, sure. more uh, readily. Yeah. 
Um, it's the getting out of it part that sucks because I'm a super high I person with, I'm not conflict averse, but I like things to be happy. Yeah, sure. Um, so (laughs) it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. I tend to be very, uh, back and forth on a lot of things, but, um, for me to go like to, to break that cycle is, is pretty difficult. And I acknowledge that it's not easy for people to do that at all. Um, and it's, Damn, I would argue it's damn near impossible if you have no idea that it's happening. Yeah, that's yeah, it's the subtlety. That, right, yeah, right, and that's when we were kind of developing this. Um, I mean, how many times did we say it's time to throw the two by four? Because what right. does the two by four do? It it eliminates yeah. the subtlety. Yeah, right. It, right. It, it just it just throws it out there, and um, as much as it might hurt, sometimes that's what's necessary to to just to eliminate the subtlety because if you don't see it you can't fix it right yeah well no I, and that is a as a perfect statement like i mean to talk about you know why gossip is so intoxicating like mm-hmm. you know i think the reason why i push so hard for people to move into the growth mindset is that is the curse of the problem solver that 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 like huge rush that you get when you actually do start to collaborate and you actually start to find um, solutions to problems that you can actually implement and then it turns into a success. Yeah. Like that is probably, I mean, I don't want to say it's one of the best highs because there's definitely ways you can get that early. <laughs> uh, but as far as like, you know, really having that just long-term, you know, sustained sensation of fulfillment and long-term sustained feeling of purpose and intent. Um, that's why we talk so much about growth mindset. And I think that's why I get so frustrated when I see people just stuck in this failure mindset and constant victimhood. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me where it's like, I actually do feel sorry for them in the end, Yeah, you know? And it's just like, what, what a person. And part of it turns down to what a waste, you know, like, you, you know, some of these times it's like, you have, some of these people, do you have any idea the amount of success that you could actually be tangibly taking part in if you're just willing to engage in the collaboration cycle and a part of that again is just the act of forgiveness and i'm not saying necessarily there's there's always going to be someone else that you have to forgive but again a part of it is forgiving yourself and forgiving others and you know again forgiveness is the act of removing emotion from the event without releasing the accountability so it's just being like you know um Ah, shit, what was it? I think uh, Brianna, uh, who was it? It was, it, was like the, it was at least this weekend, but um, they were surprised at how easy it is for me to just brush things off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, uh, we had a, uh, I pulled all stop this weekend. Actually, yeah, it was Brianna because she had said that she found it um, actually really impressive that, you know, I pulled all stop, which, and it's, it's, uh, it's off the Toyota model. Yeah. But the idea is that if things are not going the way that they should, anyone in the organization has the ability to hit the big red button and just halt everything. And basically just in probably about a half hour, um, I was able to reset everyone. And, uh, I, I'm not going to say I wasn't disappointed in the way that the clinic was being run at that time. And I made that very well clear to the people who were working at the time but what Brianna had said was she was like but then it was over but then it was over then it was like oh problem solved yep we got everything back on track she's like you didn't stay mad for the whole rest of the shift and treat everyone like shit and I was like why would I you know (laughs) you want to talk about going back to the scenario where I got to pull the all stop again I'll stay mad and it'll go back to shit right exactly (laughs) you know and it's um that's then kind of circling back to the, I don't care. You know, like when I, when I kicked it off to Molly, it was like, this needs to get done. This needs to get done. This needs to get done. I don't care what order it happens in. We just got to get that done over there. We got to get this done over here. Then we're going to jump back into triage. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so that's where for me, where it's like, you know, I, people don't even necessarily have to ask for forgiveness. Like I already have provided it to them, but there is a very deliberate action in having to request it. Yeah. You know, and I think that that again, and having to go through the actual forgiveness model, which is in our ERT, which I believe we actually have um, online under yep. the podcast section, mm-hmm. um, is actually seeing how you go through the forgiveness model is super fucking uncomfortable. Oh, you know, it's terrible. <laughs> when I when I wrote that, I was like, oh, my God, yeah. this hurts. Like yeah. it hurts to just think about. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's not even I shouldn't say it's painful. It's just painfully awkward. 
Super awkward. Because terribly. Oh God, just yeah. to just to have to look someone else in the eye and yeah. ask yeah. because it's like that's as vulnerable as you can get, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because what happens if they say no? Yeah, right. It, it's not fun, <laughs> and I think that's mostly what people are afraid of, and and why um, we avoid it, and why it's so surprising when you can just you know move past things. Is yeah. it's you, there's never a hesitation to say yes, especially when requested, but the fear yeah. of if somebody says no right. is so substantial because yeah. I think we've all kind of been there. Yeah. yeah. Like the, to, to have sat in a room like that and know that you screwed up and like asked for the, to like move past it. Yeah. And the other person is just like, no, I'm just going to stay mad yes. because they're of a failure mindset. They, are they can't get past mindset. the subtleties. Yes. Yes. And that fear and, and knowing culturally that we're pushing more and more we're trained every day to push into the drama dynamic absolutely that's what tv is absolutely um it's daunting to put yourself out there like that and and i and i can at least empathize with those that because i'm one of them that have a very hard time um just getting out and just doing it because uh to to break the seal is the hardest one Mm. once the once it rolls then it's not as hard like once the first one is done and you're able to develop that um that system of safety essentially it becomes easier to be vulnerable because you're not going to be as afraid of that pending no yeah um absolutely but getting there sucks. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's yeah. why we had to write it down. Yeah. Yeah. To make it, yeah. To make an actual like objective right. path. Like, I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to look at this paper and I'm going to say the words <laughs> yeah. and hopefully that works the first time. And then next yeah. time I'll look up and then I'm going to look down again yeah. and just be uncomfortable. Yeah. And then the third time, maybe <laughs> I'll know what to say. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's, you know, I think for us, what, you know, they say the fear of no, you're exactly right. The fear of no is that if we were, if, if we, we're in an organization where if someone asked for forgiveness and the answer was going to be no, then we would put forgiveness over in the failure dynamic. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a part of the path towards success. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I think, um, you know, cause Janessa often talks to me about, she's like, it's, I don't, she's like, I don't have a problem with asking forgiveness from you, but I have a problem asking it from myself, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's, it's true. I mean, it is hard to kind of let things go, but like, you know, and that's again, for me, it's like just kind of brushing stuff off and we'll see that it's again with, um, you know, new technicians, certainly with our new doctors, you know, as I think even coming out of veterinary school, there's a fear of your first death. You know, it's like the first anesthetic patient to die, the first, you know, uh, uh, you know, hard thoracic trauma to die. You know, it's like you have these things where it can really start to pull down, you know, and I think what is very confusing to young practicing veterinarians is uh, when you euthanize someone's animal and they thank you, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, that's, the, you know, they're already of the mindset that it's like, oh my God, I just did this horrible thing and oh my God, they thanked me. And it's like, well, yeah, like that way it didn't have to suffer until its last breath and die a terrible end, yeah. you know? So it's like, there's, there's, there's different ways that we convince ourselves we are not worthy of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you kind of get past that idea where forgiveness is always, always available. And actually, uh, that reminds me actually part of the onboarding with our, um, three new doctors. I I think that was actually part of the onboarding that I said, okay, we're just going to role play for a minute. We're going to pretend you kill something. The next thing is I'm not mad about it. So let's just move past that, (laughs) you know? And like, I don't think they were expecting that for their onboarding, you know, but you got to get it out there Uh because it's like, you know, even to the end of a, you know, malpractice to, you know, patient death or something, which has never happened in an organization, but it's just, you have to throw it out there to be like, if this does happen, you are no less of a person to me. Uh, We just need to say, just get, you know, and that's as we move through create, you know, through collaboration and creation and just saying like all right i'm already just establishing reality for you it's just you know i'm acknowledging the reality that that event may occur Mm -hmm. and it's not going to affect you know sort of our working relationship i'm not going to allow you to be a victim i'm not going to persecute you as a result of this but you have to be willing to move through the collaboration process and part of that process is forgiveness yeah the um it, it i think the part that um kind of throws people off is um and i'm the same way so 
this this is not news to people, hopefully, but uh, you have a great capacity to get very mad. <laughs> uh, that's not a bad yes. thing, but we can acknowledge that yes. as a reality, right? Yes. The and so here's here's the the thin line between these two scenarios, right? And it's and that's why you especially, but why it's so important as a whole to focus so heavily on the blue parts. Because yep. when you're mad and you're in the blue parts and you're of a growth mindset, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because why are you mad? You're mad because you're not actually in success. Yes. You, it's because you keep falling. Yes. It, that's that's where the anger is generated from and what it feels focus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's category A. But category, category B yeah. is if I am if or anyone is a failure mindset and they see someone that's mad. It's not because of falling. It's because they're the, a victim. Yes. And and that's why when you have a team of that, – I shouldn't say it. That's why the team tends to segment itself pretty easily. That's when we say when people offboard themselves, yeah. that tends to be why. Not because we're just so mad at them that they just know it's time for them to leave. Correct. But you got to get your head right. Yeah. And um, if you're in growth mindset, you can see – emotions in general, yep. sadness, fear, yeah. anxiety, yeah. anger, yeah. all of those yeah. as fuel to channel into more creation. Yeah. Because whether or not I'm so afraid of failing that I am just undying in my efforts to make things better, or I'm just so mad at the failure that I just realized or the fall, right, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to let it happen again that mindset is way different than oh shit i just fell now i'm going to go hide in the corner so that when the person yeah. is mad they don't actually yell at me yeah <laughs> yes yeah that be yeah. so it's wait as a definition yeah, right right and, yeah. and it's that's the shitty part about emotions and why yeah. forgive i think that's why forgiveness becomes so substantial because it, it's really, really hard to remove the emotional element because there, there's here's another segmentation of ideas is we allow because we're people a first emotional reaction. Right. Like you're allowed to be visceral. It, right. In whatever way you got to be. Yeah. Like because if you try to choke that down, you're not going to be genuine to yourself and you're never going to be able to let it go. It's always just going to be like you might choke it down, but that just means it's still in there. Oh, yeah. Like if you can blow it out, at the very least, you can rationalize it in some – define it and then be able to remove it. But you've got that, and if you're of growth mindset, it's like, okay, this is why this happened. Mm -hmm. Now we move on. But if you're a failure mindset and that's all you – or you choke it in, yep. whatever it is, you can't get it out. You can't remove it. You can't yeah. get rid of that part. And it means yeah. you can never really be objective yeah. in the development of the solution. Yeah. It's um, – Yeah. And I think that's why actually when we have plans that we like basically have repeated fail implementation, it's because of that. Mm-hmm. It's because we're almost forcing growth onto someone who will never be out of a failure mindset. Yeah. You know, yep. and that's where I think we are often tagged as being unrelenting. Yeah. You know, we're just not going to stop, yep. you know, and like I would actually prefer on a, on an individual basis, whether it's a one-to-one or in a group or whatever it is, like I would actually be totally fine with someone just actually saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to actually grow. I don't want to improve. You know, like saying like we have a plan. Like I just don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do it? Because I just don't. Okay, perfect. Thank you for not wasting my time. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think, you know, when you are sort of for, you know, so then when you have a victim or you have someone of a failure mindset who's, you know, talking the talk, but they're not really walking the walk and it's like, oh yeah, yep. Okay. Let's, let's go through this and yep. Oh, yep. I forgive you now, you know, and it's, it's, they're not, they're harboring ill will. They're harboring a lot of these things. Yep. Um, and they're just kind of going through the motions because that's what we do here is just go through the motions. 
emotions and there actually isn't any forgiveness is it's just like you're wasting so much time. Mm -hmm. And I think administratively, I mean, that, that has absolutely happened to us over the years. And I think it still continues to happen and it still will continue to happen mm -hmm. is that, you know, we're unrelenting, but a lot of it is on the word of the individual. You know, mm -hmm. if, if they want to succeed and if they want to improve and they want to do better, um, we're going to be there for them all the way from beginning to end. Yeah. You know, even if it takes long, like, you know, I would think, I mean, Janessa is a perfect example. I mean, she was like, you know, crank starting an old Model T, you know, <laughs> I mean, like it was, it was pretty hard to get her going. But then once she kind of gone, you know, kept going, kept going. And then I think what really started to get her is um, once she started to kind of feel that sort of success, maybe not yeah. necessarily success in case management, if that was changed one way or another, but it was a sex of like, oh, I, yeah, we did try this. And it's like, oh, yeah, that did actually work. And oh, crap, now we got like new employees here and they're kind of going through the stuff I went through. But like I got through that part and I'm so glad that I'm through that part now. And, yeah. you know, so that that's a part of it, too, is it's like, you know, there, none of this stuff is necessarily instant success. And I think that's, you know, even for us as um, administration or whatever is, you know, our main purpose is to support our employees uh, any way that we can. Um, that's why we have our invert, inverted org chart. Um, but I think the the thing that, again, that we're not, not susceptible to or that we are susceptible to is just creating policy, creating pathways. You know, like you said, it's the, like you said earlier, it's the experimentation part. Yep. We try this, we try that, this yep. didn't work, that didn't work. Um, and I think sometimes that does, um, if you have someone of a failure mindset and they see, even if we're struggling administratively, we tried this policy, it didn't work. We tried this policy, it didn't work. We tried this policy. Oh crap, it worked. Well, we're only at a 33%. You know, mm -hmm. we tried three things and only one worked. And yep. for us, it's like, well, we have one of those things worked 33%, but it's going to work a hundred percent of the time. Right. You know, right. so it's, it's just part of that trial and error where there's, you know, you have to, if you are trying to change things with an organization, you like, and I think this kind of goes out to anyone who's in sort of a, a leadership position is that like, you can't be held back by the fear of failure, even at the administrative level. You have to be able to try things. You have to be able to implement new plans. And eventually, you're going to find one that hits. Mm -hmm. And if you have an employee group or, you know, coworkers, you know, people around you who are also of growth mindset, they're going to wear the storm or weather the storm. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to go through it with you. They're going to allow this to work. They're going to allow that to not work. Um, but as you, if you have uh, individuals within your team that have a failure mindset, they're going to be, well, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have this policy worked. And we tried it last time and nothing has worked up to this point. And I'm just, you know, I'm just tired of all these different changes and these things and nothing ever works. And it's like, no, we're actually finding this stuff that doesn't work because it gets us closer to the things that will. Yeah. You know, and that's just medicine. That's just science. I was going to say, that just sounds like when you have a diagnostic <laughs> that comes back with a result that you weren't expecting. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that we know what it isn't. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Like, you just, it's, it's how do you look at it? And that's, um, I mean, just speaking with, and I'm actually curious if we can take it into a consultation room, right? Oh, like, absolutely. cause we're, we're talking big, right? Like yeah. let's focus down in, in yeah. the way that we're communicating yeah. as people to people, yeah. because if we're saying it's a cultural problem, I'm going to bet that over, you know, you've been doing this for 15 years yeah. Yeah. as the time has moved forward, yeah. the um, acceptance of a negative diagnostic yeah. has uh -huh. probably gotten less. Uh, yeah. Like people just generally speaking are less uh, in, in your your yeah. necessity to talk through it yes. in a way that makes it positive yes. um, yeah. it, it has become a longer talk path and generally speaking just more difficult. Y yes, yes. Because I expected an answer, not a non-answer. Yes. But if you, but yeah, if you and turn a non-answer into an answer. Well, so, and that's actually how I preface most of my diagnostics yeah. is I actually start out before the test is performed to prep them for a non-result or yeah. one that doesn't necessarily further our understanding. Uh, when I, you know, talk to new vets or whoever, um, as I tell them, as you get um, uh, three rule outs in one test, that's a, that's a big ratio for me is that between history and physical examination, you should be able to hit down to three top possibilities on diseases and you should assume that the people only have enough money to afford one test to right. differentiate those three so when i go into those consultations and sometimes i mean that, that was that was kind of in the mid uh 2010s when i came up to that so i was in the economic crisis now of course 
in our organization, we have a lot more financing options. And so we are doing more, uh, helping people with buying power and that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty much just having the conversation of like, all right, well, here's the tools that we have available to us, you know, blood work, urine, x-rays, hormone testing, send out in lab, you know, poke this, jab that, image this. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's all of our tools. And it's a matter of what tools are we going to select to try to find our answer. And I say, I don't care who you are, but eventually you're going to stop using tools for t- uh, uh, for diagnostic purposes and you start to use tools for treatment purposes. So mm-hmm. it's a matter of trying to find that hybrid between you know, what tests can we do? What tests should we do? Um, and then when is that going to turn over to what treatments can we do and what treatments should we do? Mm-hmm. And that's, you're exactly right. It's a longer talk path. It does take more time to get through that. But if you get through it on the front end, yeah. the back end is so much faster right. because you have already provided value to your service before they've ever spent any money. Right, right. You're not, you're not, your value is not subject to the, uh, Result. the, the results. Yeah. 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 Um, so now, you take that right and now transplant it into essentially clinic or just yep. business development. Yep. Your tools are your people resources, yep. basically, yep. or just whatever you know, whatever resources are in front sure, of sure. you. And if you're of a growth mindset, I yep. think what it does is you've already prefaced the conversation to be accepting of a non-answer. Yes, I'm going to try this, and if it fails, I'm going to try something else. Yes, because I'm I know that that doesn't work. Yes, but if I'm of a failure mindset, yes. if it doesn't hit a hundred percent and I don't see efficacy in a result right away, right away. I'm just going to say, well, yeah, that's because it's terrible. Yes. Like, why would we try? Yeah. It doesn't work. Yes. And you, and it's the same as a urine yes. test that comes back with yes. not this thing that you were expecting. Yes. So, I mean, the reason that I wanted to do that is because the people that generally listen to this are yeah. pr- probably going to be pretty attuned to consultations, yeah. conversations yeah, with, with the sure. general public. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just your scope got a little got a little bit bigger, but we're still just people. We're still just talking, yep. and we're still just trying to rationalize these positions to try to make stuff better. Yes. So it, it's. Yeah. I, I hope that that serves as a good example. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I to, mean, it's to a, illustrate. <laughs> I'd say it's a significant correlation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not right. Right. They're yeah. not. They're probably not exact. There's probably yeah. holes that people can poke oh, in it for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to hear those because. If I get a non-answer, yeah, yeah. perfect. We're moving forward. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it like if you think about it in terms of the acceptance of that non-answer and how am I going to deal with that if it happens, am I going to be able to forgive myself? Yeah. And am I going to be able to refocus and try something else? Yes. And if the answer, or, or forgive the other person too, like maybe I'm testing out a process. Yeah. Am I going to be able to forgive the person that used my time and did not realize the result that we were hoping for. If the answer to that is no, you're probably in maybe in most, most likely a subtle way of a failure mindset. And if you don't realize what is happening in your head, because it's always, it's mental first. Uh, And I I should say from personal experience, my head goes south long before my actions ever do. Uh, Sure. Um, And then it starts to just bleed out. And then everyone's like, hey, Ben, you're being kind of an asshole. (laughs) Oh, I wonder Uh, why. (laughs) Um, and, And thankfully, I have enough of a network of people that check me yeah, sure, <laughs> when I sure. need it. Yeah. But um, that, can you forgive that person? Can you forgive yourself? Can you refocus yeah. to creating something new yeah. to find the solution? Because yet, I think most of the time we're still solutions focused because yeah. we don't like to be in areas where we're basically yeah. realizing negatives all the time. Yeah. But the question is, what's the solution? Yeah. Is it dopamine or is it serotonin? <laughs> right. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how to like yeah. close this out. I do know that I have to be on the floor in fifteen minutes. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, yeah, that was no. a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, we just figured we'd wing it, but yeah. I feel like we winged it well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It? I mean, we, we, yeah, it was, it's been yoded. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the you know kind of what the whole point of today was. You know, at least for me, was to kind of not just focus on the snitch loop and not just focus on that, but really 
really try to focus and have people understand that a failure mindset is it's so subtle. Yeah. It's so subtle. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think honestly where we find it the quickest is when we do performance reviews, because usually people of a failure mindset rank themselves as all fives. You know, is it's like, yes, it, it is that the generally speaking, it's just this like, you know, so high on performance. Yeah. And of course, it, our scale is PTW uh, art. It's a five scale. I don't you think it's like a 50 scale. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a five scale. Yeah. Um, you know, five being the highest, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's one of these where some of this stuff is so subtle. And, you know, again, like I said, for us now kind of jumping into that 50 employee range is it's really starting to become very easy to see trending and patterned behaviors because we had so much exposure to it when we were 15 20 employees yeah. we were able to kind of see that foundational work but also see that the foundational failures you know where it was like all right we tried this process it didn't work we tried that process it did work you know but also not just process but then also okay we have someone who is talking this way let's try to work with them to maintain integration within the team so it's we had the opportunity of trying to take failure mindsets and turning them in to growth mindsets and having people who just naturally have a growth mindset to really develop those people and allow them to flourish, mm -hmm. you know, as I, I think now that we're starting to kind of more people, we have a better understanding of it. Um, but I, I would say, and like I said, that was kind of the point of today, at least in my mind was, you know, for anyone, as we start to continue to move through our creating accountability diagram, mm -hmm. um, is just recognize the subtlety. Yeah. Recognize the I don't cares. Mm -hmm. You know, recognize who we're working for. Recognize, you know, a lot of these just ways in which we engage in divisive type conversations and um, just know that it's there. And I think a lot of people know it's there again, subtly, know it's there just under the radar, um, but might not know how to engage it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, again, engagement is almost exclusively in collaboration. Just provide right. the opportunity to improve performance and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much it. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that's a pretty good stopping point. Yeah, so, yeah it uh, was uh, for winging it, for walking into this with having <laughs> no idea where it was going to go. Yeah. I feel like we just talked about some pretty good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Thanks. Um, I hope it was helpful for those that are listening, watching, whatever that might yeah, be. Consuming. I think um, kind of moving forward, we'll start talking a little bit more about awareness process techniques all some yeah. sort of stuff like that yeah. um star chart kind of goes yeah, into that chart. as well because yeah. a, a portion of that is yeah. at least wrapping that up yeah. is yeah, yeah, yeah. self-awareness yeah, is yeah, yeah. being critical of where you're that at might with be a good one variables. to tackle next yeah yeah um and then yeah you know it's, po it it's a podcast we'll see where it goes after that so <laughs> yeah uh hey carl you want to try a little less awkward of an outro yeah right <laughs> okay okay guys sorry here we go all right guys thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week